Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 131 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Nikki Mott. Nikki lives in Huntsville, Alabama, where she is a stay-at-home mom to an almost three-year-old and a six-month-old. Welcome, Nikki. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I am so glad that you're here. How are you doing today? Oh, doing good. I was just saying earlier, we um, I know this is a quarter far in advance, but we had Halloween and the hour time difference. So that one hour is a struggle. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, we're recording this November 2nd. It'll come out. Um, actually, I didn't tell you this. It'll co- this will come out January 21st. So ah, we're way in the future. There you go. There you go. But you're right. I struggle with that time change. And 
it shouldn't be so hard. It's just one hour. But also with the the it coincides with, you know, less daylight, which also yeah. I think is part of the struggle. It's like all of a sudden one day it's like, bam, there's that that daylight change. I know. And it's so dark early and, it, it, you know, and it's starting to get cold here in Alabama. Like we've had that brisk. So it's just now I'm starting to, ru- I just want my fire weather and all that now. So. I see your mug. I'm drinking my, my MT hot water in a mug. Um, what are you drinking? There? I need, I needed black coffee for this. Got it. Well, <laughs> so I already I had my black coffee, but yes. now I've crossed over to the hot water in a mug, but you're right. I was sitting by the fire this morning and it just mm-hmm. feels so cozy. Well, we moved here from Florida where it was always, you know, 80 during this time. Now I'm getting used to the to the chilly weather. You so. had to buy a new wardrobe. Yes, I know. <laughs> Cold weather clothes. <laughs> exactly. I'm wearing my Uggs and everything. So anyway, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Yeah, so I've had kind of an up and down diet history. You know, I've always kind of had that 15, 20 pounds overweight, just could never quite lose that. And then you know, when I was in high school, started all the diets. And so I did Weight Watchers, everything. And then after I got pregnant with my first child, I definitely blew up even more. Um, I'm 5'2", and I got up to about 165. So for me, that was that was high. So I, you know, was just doing research, different things I could do. And I came across intermittent fasting in... I actually came across it a little earlier in 2018, and I just kind of dabbled with it. I didn't take it too seriously, and then started again in 2019, had quite a bit of success with it, and then I got pregnant, so I had to stop it, and now I'm back. So, <laughs> Well, that's true. I totally understand the dabbling word, because that was my downfall all the time from, you know, I first heard of intermittent fasting in 2009. And, you know, I had had some weight gain after stopping with, you know, the diet pills and that I got from a doctor. I always like to say that because it sounds so shady. But, um, you know, if it's prescribed from a doctor, it has to be okay, right? It's what we think. But then I had all that weight regain. And then I dabbled in intermittent fasting from 2009 to 2014. So what did dabbling in it mean to you? You know, dabbling for me, and I did at the time, there was a lot of like YouTube and stuff. I mean, I think I even tried to go like straight OMAD right away, but it was the eat in 20 minutes and you're done. And I did that for like a week. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is way too hard for me. And then, you know, I would skip breakfast. I wasn't really consistent. I just kind of, and I still kind of had a diet mindset. I was restricting calories and and all of that. It, It wasn't till 2019 I had kind of started with a program that incorporated a little intermittent fasting in it. And that helped because I was following something. But then the problem was the moment I had to keep counting macros and all that stuff, I was getting bored with it and tired. I didn't want to keep counting. So that's when I decided, well, I do like the intermittent fasting part. And that's kind of when I came across your book and everything like that is during that time after I had started. Yeah, that makes a lot of difference. And also, you know, to circle back to what you said about not being consistent, that just keeps us from adjusting, you know, it makes it harder and harder. And that's what I didn't understand, because I didn't understand back in those days, all the different physiological things that were going on in our bodies. And really, once you adapt, it gets so much easier. But I consider myself to have been trapped in that adjustment period. I never got out of it. 
And I've always been kind of the type I'm on a diet or I'm not like I am totally on a diet and I follow everything or I'm just just eating everything, not on a diet at all. So for me, the inconsistency is not having a plan that was hard for me at first. Just, you know, so that's when I realized I didn't have to count everything and could kind of take it at my own pace. And I and I've been a very slow loser, but, you know, I've just enjoyed everything about it. So. Well, I bet also your body has had had a lot going on, you know, since you had you were you started with intermittent fasting in 2019 consistently. And what led you to the consistency at that time? Like what what made that switch flip where you're like, I'm ready. It's not a diet. I'm not going to be trapped in that diet mindset anymore. It was that program that you did. Was that Yeah, it was. was, I mean, because and it incorporated a little intermittent fasting and I was seeing results and I was feeling really good. But again, I just, I felt the thoughts creeping back up because, you know, you were only allowed to have, you know, had like a carb cycle and you were only allowed to have carbs on this day and this day. It, and it started to creep back in like, oh, but I would rather have this today. I don't know. And then I just felt myself like, I this isn't going to work, you know, if I don't take it. I could just find myself getting off that diet train. So that's when I started doing more research because the thing that was consistent was the intermittent fasting. I did find that easy. I've never been a huge breakfast person. So I found the shift. You know, it was just a 16-8 program. So I found that, you know, I could do that. And that's when I started, you know, really dabbling into the science and doing the research and decided I'm going to take intermittent fasting and turn it into, you know, how I want to do it. Yeah. I think that's important. Same with me with the the restricting what I'm eating. It's really, really hard. I never want to do that again. No. I I love and you know, and you've told yourself you can't have things for so long and you feel guilty when you eat things. And just taking that away, I think, was my success because I would be so fixated on what I could and couldn't have that. I felt like that was my own detriment. So now that I could have what I want and I look forward to having things, it just, that's been the game changer for me. Yeah. And I I never again want to have someone tell me what I can and can't eat. No. Never again. (laughs) It's actually kind of a funny story. I just went through the PREDICT3 study, which part of Tim Spector's work. And I'm a big believer in personalized nutrition that our bodies are all different. Well, this report came back to me this week with all these foods that are like my recommended foods. And then these are the foods that they they don't recommend. And all it did was make me mad. (laughs) I'm like, no, forget. I like those foods. I'm going to eat them. (laughs) I will avoid them for 19 hours a day. That is all I'm going to do. It's funny because I'm such a believer in the science, but reading that report made me like, nope, nope, nope. (laughs) And I did that too, some of the uh, testing. And, you know, it honestly came back for me pretty consistent. I mean, and I, I do, I am pretty lucky. I feel like I can eat most foods. Like I don't have too much that affects me. And I did low carb. I've done all that. And low carb never worked for me too well. But, you know, so I've tried that. I I tried Weight Watchers for a while and, and that always seemed to work. But again, I would eat, I, you know, you said it before, I'd eat all the processed stuff that you could count because it was, oh, I know this is 20 points. So I'm going to have this or that. So it was a lot of processed food. So I think that, you know, hurt me too. I enjoy now just, and I really love cooking. I love baking. I love doing all that. So now I just, I just enjoy figuring out what I'm going to make. <laughs> 
We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Exactly. And it makes such a difference that nothing is off limits and all the ingredients are on the table. Yeah, exactly. That you can choose from. <laughs> so you had a baby in there. So Yeah. <laughs> what, I know. what month was your baby born? She, I can do the math. In the middle of uh, April, so right in the middle of the shutdown. Oh was, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I have a little I have a little pandemic baby. So <laughs> Wow. Was that hard? I haven't talked to anyone that you know, my my age group were all done with babies. <laughs> You know, but. it was and it wasn't. And for me, it's different because um, my first child was actually a preemie. She was born 11 weeks early. So she, you know, was in the NICU for three months and, and all of this. So, you know, with my second, even though it was the middle of a pandemic, it was actually more normal for me because, you know, we had her and, you know, even though nobody could come to the hospital, it still was I could take her home with me. So it was a lot different. So it felt more normal for me. But I know at least where we're at, you know, my husband was still allowed in with me and everything like that. So but it was I wondered. Yeah, it was right, you know, in the thick of it um, when everything first started. So I think, too, it was even the nurses weren't even sure what was going on. All the protocols, protocols were changing so much. So. But uh, it was it was definitely interesting. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) I just, you know, those of us that that are not involved, like, you know, I haven't had any family members have babies or any of these things. So I was like, gosh, I just wonder what it was like to go through it. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, when we first brought her home. It was definitely, you know, a lot more you know, all the quarantine, we could, you know, but and some people were like, Oh, quarantine, it's so hard. But for us, we had a newborn right in the middle of it. So you're not going anywhere anyway. So right. and, oh, and also you had an excuse to say, <laughs> yeah, don't come over, don't come over, you don't need to come over, no big deal. So yeah, it, it, in some ways, it was good, because 
we didn't feel the effects because we were home with a newborn anyway. So That's right. That's right. So how long were you able to do intermittent fasting prior to the pregnancy? Like how long would you say that you were consistent with I it? I was consistent with intermittent fasting for probably about four to five months. So it wasn't very long. And I had lost in that point, I had lost uh, about 10 to 15 pounds. And then with my pregnancy, I will say, I mean, it was hard at first because I kind of got used to not eating. I had, and that's honestly, I knew I was pregnant really quick too, because all of a sudden I was starving. I would wake up and I, it was a new kind of hunger, you know, that I hadn't felt in a while. So that was hard, you know, switching to actually having to eat, you know, all the time. But I will say this pregnancy was so much different. And my first, I think, too, because I was a little bit unhealthy, I was overweight during my first pregnancy. This time, I think that fasting had healed my body a lot. And I had a much easier time with it. And I didn't gain a lot of weight during the pregnancy either. I only gained about 20 pounds where before I had gained, you know, 45. So it was a big difference. I felt a lot better, even though it was harder to eat. I just, I felt like I was more in tune with my body. I didn't feel like I had to eat for two. I ate healthier. So it just, I felt much more adapted and and healthy during this pregnancy than I did the first time around. I think that's awesome. And of course, you know, you stopped living the intermittent fasting lifestyle while you were pregnant. And that's what doctors recommend ages ago in an early episode. I can't remember gosh, I guess it's probably been almost two years ago, I had Dr. Cecily Ganhart on the podcast, and she's an OBGYN, also works with um, weight management with patients. But she um, talked about how, how great intermittent fasting is for preparing your body for pregnancy if you are especially someone who suffers from PCOS. But then also, once you're pregnant, time to set the fasting aside. And I've actually thought about this. You know, of course, I'm way past my childbearing years. I'm in, actually in, you know, on the other side of menopause now. But I've actually thought about how hard it would be to stop doing intermittent fasting. And sometimes we see, you know, in the Facebook groups, people are like, but I want to keep doing it. I feel so good. Mm-hmm. You know, that really was hard because I just forgot how I mean, things. Be- I mean, fasting at first it seems so abnormal, but becomes so normal. I mean, I got used to waking up and not eating. That was my day. I had my routine, and then all of a sudden, when I had to try to eat again, you know, it was different. But I just, I really felt like I was more in tune with my body this time. I listened to what it needed, and I just felt, you know, more at peace. I think the first time around. I was kind of unhealthy and I ate for two as well. That was an excuse to just eat. Oh, baby wants McDonald's today. I'm going to get McDonald's today. (laughs) That sounds like my pregnancy. (laughs) So, I mean, that's what I did. And and I don't think it's, you know, the reason, you know, uh, she was born so early. But I think, you know, having that a little bit of unhealthy mindset. And then also, too, when she was in the NICU for so long, I became unhealthy because, you know, all I did was sit in a hospital room and I would go in and get my huge pumpkin spice latte and then I would go and eat hospital food for months and I just kind of got in this pattern and um, I didn't like the way I felt. And then when, you know, I brought her home, it was, you know, it's hard to stay consistent with eating. So I just felt like this time with fasting, it really just helped my mindset through my entire pregnancy and, you know, bringing the baby home and everything like that. So I just think that was a game changer for me mentally. I love that. But you're right. Your body directed you right away that it needed more food. Mm-hmm. Like you, before you even had a positive pregnancy test, did you already feel the oh, difference? I did. I felt, I knew right away. Like my, I could just tell my body was different 
because you just become more in tune um, with it. So I, I just knew. I love that. Our bodies are wise if we if we learn how to reconnect with those signals and listen. Yeah, it was hard, but you know you you gotta give you gotta give up you know a lot for pregnancy. You give up the coffee and the alcohol. I mean, it is what it is. So you know, it's a. I knew it was only for nine months, and then I wasn't sure if it was going to be longer because of breastfeeding. But I, I wasn't able to breastfeed either. So I decided, you know, once we made the decision to do formula, I just said I'm going to go back to fasting, and I haven't I haven't looked back. So that's great. I am um, like you with my first child. He was five weeks early, and he did not have to go to the NICU. He weighed five pounds, nine ounces, so we were fortunate there. But he you know, came home. He was jaundiced, had some issues there, but he couldn't latch on. He was, you know, he didn't have, I don't know, whatever it was. But I was like one of those moms. I was going to breastfeed, and I was like going to do it. And, and I just remember crying and crying and calling the, you know, the pediatrician's office. And I'm like, but he won't eat, and he can't eat. And she's like, give him formula. <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm a failure. And she's like, no, just give it to him. <laughs> and so I did. And I just sighed a sigh of relief and he ate. And that was that. Yeah, I felt that way this time because with with my first, you know, you know, I wasn't even able to hold her or anything like that. I mean, they just took her. And then, you know, you go into a room, it's this empty hospital room. I mean, everybody got to see the baby before I even was able to see her. They just bring me to this room. And the first thing they give you is this pump. And it was so just, it just felt so odd. Like I just, I didn't even feel like I had a baby. And then they give me this pump. And so that experience just wasn't a great experience for me. And then, you know, with her being so little, she got all of her food through the tube. So I was able to pump for her for a little while, but she was never able to take breastfeeding. But this time around, I really wanted to, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it this time. And then I was having trouble with it. And of course, in the middle of the pandemic, I couldn't even get a hold of lactation consultants or anything like that. They weren't on staff at the time. So I just, I just said, I'm done. I can't, you know, after, after a month of just of crying and being exhausted, I, I just said, here's a bottle. On, you know? And the message I want people to take away is that there's no shame in that because I felt so guilty as a mom and what could my son have been if I had to, oh, you know, yeah. but then you got to let that all go because it is, I mean, it's <laughs> in, in this day and age too, the, you know, all the mom shaming and the guilt, it's not worth it at all for your own sanity. It's just exactly, not. you know, and, and my boy was fine. He grew well. He got a had a four zero in college. Yeah, I mean, my my daughter's very. I'm, they're going to be fine. I don't. I don't think it's going to come back to me. So. Exactly. So we're letting go of that guilt, and it, yeah. it feels good. But and then the I'm time, a better you know, mama now too, because I now I can fast, and it's great, and all that. So that's right. That's right. Because you know, again, we talked a minute ago about fasting not being right while you're pregnant, but it also is not right while you're breastfeeding. And um, and you mentioned that, but I wanted to make sure that the audience uh, heard it yeah. because sometimes people don't, you know, there's a train of thought out there that, well, you know, people have been able to have babies during famines. They were able to, you know, survive and grow a baby. But the point is that maybe they were able to grow a baby, but was that ideal? Was it the ideal nutrition for the baby? So we don't want to take any chances while we're pregnant or breastfeeding. Exactly. Exactly. So you were able to get back into fasting in, in a, I guess, in May, May of 2020? Yeah, so now I've been doing it since May of 2020. And this time around, again, you know, I, I just had a baby. So it's been slower this time than the first time where I felt like I lost really quickly. It's been a, a little bit slower going, but, you know, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I haven't felt, I guess, the motivation to really change too much what I'm doing. I know I could probably change things up to make things go a little faster, but, you know, I just am enjoying 
enjoying it right now. So I'd rather it go slow and, and be off for good than to, you know, so. And I also think that your body is probably recovering still. It is. Oh, absolutely. Because we're recording this, you know, it's very beginning of, of November. So it's just been six months since you had a baby. So that's a lot of change for oh, your body. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's... um. And that to me has been the focus, just really healing myself and getting where I feel healthy and, and mentally able to take care of two little little kids. So that's been the most part uh, is just the mental shift of it. So and you, but you feel good. Oh, I do. I feel great. Um, I have so much more energy than I used to have. I used to, you know, I had to have a latte in the middle of the day just to get through it. Now I pretty much can go you know, all day and and with the kids. And, you know, and I thought it would be hard too. you know, I have a toddler at home, I have to make her food constantly. So I thought that was going to be very difficult. But it you know, it hasn't been so that is that's a theme we hear from from new IFers a lot. Moms will say, you know, I'm home, I'm home with the kids, they're eating all the time. This is just so hard for me. So, you know, I I'm able to prepare food for my husband in the middle of the day or, you know, yesterday I baked blueberry muffins in the fasted state, no big deal. Talk about that a little bit more for, you know, for the mom who might be struggling, you know, whether it's physical or emotional or Why are you able to do it and it's not a problem? Right. And it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like I just woke up and, oh, I I don't want those chicken nuggets. I mean, it took time to get used to it. But I found, you know, the more used to fasting I've gotten and the way my body's responded, you know, I just don't feel the desire. Like I can have it later. If it's something I really want, I can have it later. But for the most part, I'm not that tempted anymore by you know, her peanut butter and jelly sandwich and her, and I don't mindlessly eat it the way I used to. It used to be, I would just eat it off her plate without even thinking about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, they didn't finish those little crusts. So you're eating them. Yeah. You just put them in your mouth and you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. and it took, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm, I, there were plenty of times like on the journey that I put it in my mouth without even realizing it. Oh, and you, and you, it took a while, but you'll get there with that. I would tell any new moms, um, or have little kids. It is hard at first. Cause you are, I mean, you have to think about food a lot more because you have to think about what I'm going to make them for breakfast, what am I going to make them for lunch, what am I going to make her for her five million snacks that she wants every day. And she is, my daughter is a grazer. She is not a, uh, I can't get her to sit down and eat much of a meal. So for her, grazing is what she does. And she's super tiny. She's, you know, she was a preemie. She's still tiny. She's almost three and she's only 22 pounds. So she's oh, just goodness. this little she's tiny. Little bitty. She's this little, little nothing. She eats like a bird all day. So I just have her food. She tells me she wants a snack. I get it. And that's just, it's, it's worked out luckily, you know, for me for that. It just becomes another task that you do. You do the laundry, you give her a snack. You do the dishes, you give her a snack. It's just another one of those household tasks that's on your agenda. That's the way I think about it as well. And, you know, whenever I have had that feeling of, you know, like, gosh, I'm making this meal for somebody else and this egg sandwich looks delicious. I would like to eat an egg sandwich. I always ask myself, is it going to be worth it? You know, in an hour, am I going to be really glad that I ate that egg sandwich? And the answer is usually no. Yeah. So it's easy to say no, and I'm just going to delay it. If I want to open my window in a few hours with that, I can have it. Yeah. But you probably aren't going to choose chicken nuggets. No. 
<laughs> the, uh, I mean, the only hard one I will admit is sometimes on Thursdays she has a little class and will go. Um, she loves Chick Fil A, and I will stop on some Thursdays, and that smell is hard sometimes. Oh yeah. <laughs> but other than that, you know, I don't break for it. But I'm like, okay, if I really want Chick Fil A, I'll get it. You later, can come back and get I'll it. Come get, but I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to wait in that line. So. Well, oh, that is true. We we have one near me, and the line is wrapped around the building yeah. like oh, crazy. Yeah. Exactly. I think they're not letting people go inside. The inside yeah. is closed. But yeah. the lot there's like cars and so I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm willing to wait in line, but I'm usually not. So. Yeah, I get it. There's just something about that chicken. It is. It's delicious. It really is. It's, it, the southern delicacy. I, I I lived a lot in California, so I didn't have it as much there. So when I came to the south, um, I, I was originally from the south, so I missed it when I moved to California. But now I, I see them everywhere. So yeah. Chicken sandwich, extra pickles, a little mayo. That's the way I like to have yep. it. <laughs> There's some things you still like, and that's one of them. Even though I would say I'm a food snob in many ways, there's some places that just I still will go. Yeah, and we, we've experimented a little bit with that, or I have recently. Um, I actually have um, some friends who do a podcast as well, and they do like a bracket thing, and we did the best chain restaurants. And there was a lot of restaurants I, I hadn't been to in so long, so I, I did a little experiment where I was had my meal at a couple of these restaurants, and I just did not feel good at all. I mean, the food was not, it was just not worth it at all. I know what you mean. It just sits heavy in your stomach and yeah, it's not window worthy. I felt sick most of the week. I'm like, you know what? It's just not, I mean, if I have to do it once in a while, sure, but it is not something I don't, I don't, don't feel the need anymore. So Mm -hmm. you're definitely more cheesy with where you want to go and what you're going to eat without a doubt. So, um, How's your weight loss been? You said it's been slower this time. Like, how much do you want to lose and how much have you lost? Yeah, I've lost right now. I've lost since May. I've lost about 12 pounds so or 13 pounds. So, I'm, I mean, I'm probably about half a pound a week. I have about another 20 pounds I'd like to lose. And is it still very slowly coming off? It is. It's slowly coming off. And again, a, a lot of it was I think my body was healing from the pregnancy and all of that. And I do think there's maybe some things I could could switch up. I I have been meaning to delay some alcohol here and there when I should. <laughs> but, um, those kind of things. But I'm just enjoying what I'm doing right now. And I don't feel a huge push to lose that extra 20 pounds because I feel so good. I, I used to always feel like I had to lose that 20 pounds in order to be happy. And now I just don't feel that huge. I mean, I want to lose it and I know I'm going to lose it, but it doesn't drive me the way it used to. Do you feel happy already? Yeah, exactly. So and that's, I, you know, what we hear so often people on this podcast, the, the contentment with the intermittent fasting lifestyle and the whole, you know, if it takes 40 weeks for me to lose 20 pounds, then... Or if it takes 80 weeks for me to lose 20 pounds, you know, eventually my body will will get to a weight where it feels good. And that's really the key, to get to a weight where you feel good in your skin and you're happy with the way that you get to live in your window. Exactly. And I actually feel, even though I'm a little heavier weight-wise than I, I mean, or the weight I'm at right now, I actually feel look smaller at this weight than I have been at this weight before. The magic of body yeah, recomposition. Yeah, so I haven't been, you know, I mean, I, I do weigh and I and I do go on the scale, but I trying, you know, not to be consumed by it because in that and that's been a hard shift for me because I used to always be what that scale said was 
what it, I mean, I let that scale drive every decision. So now I'm trying not to allow that. Yeah, I get that. You know, you know, my whole story with the scale and I haven't seen a weight on a scale since I always have to count back since 2017. It's been so freeing. Have you seen me recently talking about my shape of scale? I, I saw that. I actually bookmarked it. I was thinking about maybe a you know, Christmas gift idea. I thought about trying it. So I really love it. So for anybody who's interested, if you go to the favorite things tab of jenstevens.com, I have a whole explanation. It's a numberless scale. It got me back on the scale, but I get on it every day. Got on it this morning. Green. Green means maintaining, which is what I'm doing right now. So that's that's a good thing. And I think I would quit benefit from that because I do like seeing the trend. My, my trend is going down, even though my weight fluctuates. And even though, I mean, and I, and I do, I am kind of a whoosh person. It seems like I will be very much the same weight. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'll have like, you know, three pounds down. So it does fluctuate, but I am seeing the trend down. And as long as I'm seeing the trend down, I'm trying not to worry about how how fast or or anything like that. So yeah, my weight always when back when I back in the day when I was losing weight and when I was weighing daily and calculating my weekly average, I would find my weight would go whoosh down, not by three, but you know, just a little bit down. And then it would just gradually go up a little, up a little, up a little, and then back down. So it looked very much like a little roller coaster stair step going down. But it always after a low, it would always edge back up for a couple of days and then it would always go lower than that low. It was just, that's what my body did. And then during the month, you know, during my cycle, it would have certain things that it would do. And I just started to learn what that was. And then I knew if I ate at a restaurant, you know, my weight would lag by two days, for example, like it would go up two days later. And I just started to recognize those trends. And then it was like, okay, no big deal. Yeah. And especially before, you know, on other diets, I mean, it would go faster. I mean, no question, other diets, you know, you could lose, I could lose weight fast. And that's been my, you know, how it's been. I mean, I lose weight really fast and then I gain it back plus some. And, you know, it kept going up and up and up every year. Um, Like I said, I'm I'm in my mid thirties and I feel like now getting this handle on it now, like I just love that. I won't have to deal with that roller coaster anymore because that's where I was headed. I could just see it every year getting more and more. And, you know, I feel like I can't, I was looking back, I was trying to think about my diet history a little bit before the podcast. And I'm like, I can't really remember when I wasn't on a diet. Like, I just don't really remember when I wasn't, at least in my mind on a diet. Even if I wasn't on a diet in my mind, I should be dieting. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I know that feeling, that feeling of, oh, I really need to do something. Well, I'll start with that tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm really going to get serious and I'm going to do better. Yeah. You know, because I can remember when I was, you know, in, and, you know, I just always had a little, little bit chunkier, a few extra, and I always just felt that I had like skinny friends and I just, I always felt like, oh, I just look a little different, but I don't think I noticed it until middle school and we, my mom went on the zone diet at the time. uh And at that time too, they had like a kid's version of it. So we kind of all did it as a family and I didn't notice it. It was just the way my mom was just cooking different, but I lost some weight. And then people came up to me and said, wow, you look great. And I, I didn't realize I didn't look great before. So I get, you know, that's gotta be hurtful when you're in middle school. Yeah. So you just, you know, all of a sudden like, oh, I saw the, I saw it. Okay. If I diet, then I'm going to lose that weight and, and I'm going to like and people like it. And so that was my first, oh, okay, I think I need to be on a diet. And I think I've been on a diet since then. And I was, you know, probably 12. So. Wow. I didn't know they had a kid's version. It was, you know, it was, it was basically like a way the whole thing. And, you know, I actually think, you know, the zone itself, it's very much just eating healthy foods. And at the time, I mean, we were, you know, 
late 90s, early 2000s, the year of the, the all the processed food. We were definitely fast food families. We, you know, eat a lot of processed food. So I think it was just the shift of eating healthier more than it was a diet, but it was just that I saw the weight loss and then I had all of a sudden, oh, I need to diet. So Yeah, I'm trying to remember the zone. I think my my dad and my stepmother might have done it. I don't know. I think it was very complicated. Yeah, and that and that's why, you know, we never yeah, you we never I mean it actually worked really well, but we you never stick to it because it is so complicated. Like you have to have, you know, this many carbs, this many, you know, it so it but in the end, it was really just don't eat processed foods. So, right. It's true. I mean, it was an overly complicated way to say just eat, you know, eat natural, real food, eat real food. Yeah. And balance it all out. But this formula, that's the thing that always lost me. You know, I could do something with very simple rules, but when it got too complicated, I was like, forget it. I just want to eat whatever this food is right here. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It is. And when you make it kind of, it, it shouldn't have to be this complicated. It just doesn't make any sense for it to be this complicated. No. And then go back, you know, back in in history and, you know, how people ate their, you know, thousands of years. People just ate food. Yeah. They didn't track their <laughs> macros and worried about it. I mean, they just, they just wanted to know where their next meal was coming from. So, and we've just made it, made it so complicated. We really have. We've overcomplicated it. And we almost have gotten to the point where we feel guilty if we enjoy eating. We feel guilty if it was delicious. We feel guilty if we crave sweets. You know, someone was asking a question. It was yesterday. They're like, I still crave sweets. When will I stop craving sweets? I'm like, well, I still crave sweets. Never. <laughs> I feel like we're wired to crave sweets. Right. And we're wired to enjoy food. I mean, we we're, that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, it's a, it's food is much more than just nourishment. I mean, it's also brings people together. It's always been a social thing. So, I mean, enjoyment of food should happen and we should enjoy our food. Um, you know, and it is, I always felt like even if I wasn't on a diet, I always felt like I should be on a diet. And if I, eat, I felt guilt every time I would eat something and it never, I, I felt like I couldn't enjoy eating because if it tasted good, oh, I shouldn't be eating this. Right. And we are meant to enjoy food. You know, we've got these, this sensory, positive feelings towards food because we're supposed to embrace it. We're supposed to feast. We're supposed to celebrate with food. And, you know, we're on the beginning side of the holidays. And of course, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll be on the other side of them. But, you know, we're meant to celebrate with family and to enjoy the harvest and enjoy the bounty and to eat till we feel full. Right. That was the part that always got to me on the diets because I like to eat till I'm full. Mm Mm-hmm. Or satisfied, not overly full, not feeling sluggish and blah, but, you know, you're supposed to have that comfortably satisfied feeling. Right. And I always felt like if I, on the restrictive diets, you'd eat and you just never quite felt satisfied and you just kept thinking again, okay, well, when am I going to get to eat again? Because I, and you, and you just kept thinking about what am I going to eat next? Because I just still feel like I need something. And then that's when you'd break the diet and cave and eat something, so... Yep. Yeah, that was it. So that's why intermittent fasting works so well for me. <laughs> You're just one fast away from tomorrow's eating window. Yeah. And it is. And and, and what you eat, I mean, definitely we had Halloween and I was a little, I've always liked to eat the Halloween candy and we did the trick or treating this year and she had the huge, huge, you know, bucket of candy bigger than her head. And, you know, I had one or two pieces and that was fine. And that's all I needed. I didn't feel the need to have all the candy. I allowed myself a couple pieces and that's all I needed. And yeah, that's such a good feeling to know that 
<laughs> I can have it and then I, I don't have to have any more of it. So what does your approach look like? How do you structure your day with intermittent fasting? I wake up and I, I'm a black coffee person. So I do have usually a cup when I first wake up and then I usually need a mid, <laughs> mid-morning coffee. So I usually have a two cups and then I usually break my fast depending on the day between three and four Sometimes it might be five. It just depends on, you know, kind of what I have planned for dinner that night. Yeah, that's a good time for me as well. So do you have a snack and then later a meal? Is that how you structure it? Yeah, it is, although I am kind of shifting. So I have noticed a little bit with me if I have a snack, sometimes I want to keep eating before the meal. So I I have found I kind of like starting with the meal. And then if I want something else, I'll have something else after the meal. But it just depends on what we have going on. Like if I'm going to open at four, I tend to have a snack and then I cook dinner. But if I decide to eat when we have dinner, then I might have a snack after dinner. That makes sense. Yeah, Keeping it flexible and not always doing the same thing. But, you know, a lot of people are the same way. You know, I tend to have a snack and then a meal. But there are a lot of people that that cannot open with a snack because they just need to eat the meal first. And I noticed that with the, you know, the snack, I sometimes if I have a snack, then I just feel like, okay, well, I want something else. And then I keep munching and then then I might as well have had a whole meal (laughs) instead of just a snack. So I I do think I probably do better if I have the meal. And then if I want something else, I have a snack or a And I'll be honest, there are some days that, you know, if people had to judge and name what I ate, it would probably be two meals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> within that window. Have a bigger snack, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but I don't like to name it. You know, it doesn't matter because sometimes people will say, well, what is the definition of a snack? What is the definition of a meal? I'm like, it doesn't even matter. And I like, I mean, and I like, I guess, what would be considered a big meal. I mean, I, I can eat, you know, a decent amount in a sitting, but, you know, and I, but I usually try to close, my windows tend to be between, sometimes they're as short as an hour, sometimes they're five, six, I mean, it just depends. I do change it up a little bit here and there, so. Yeah, I think that's important and not to be too rigid with it. And that's kind of the way mine is as well. You know, yesterday, time change, you know, I, I didn't open my, I was recording a podcast. It was probably 4.30 by the time I opened my window, which was really 5.30. So it felt so late to my body. And then. It was 4.30, and then I was going to cook dinner around 6, and both my husband and I were hungry early. So I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and cook now. He's like, yes, cook now. So Yeah, and I definitely have days, too. I mean, I we did on Saturday, you know, went trick-or-treating, and then me and my husband, you know, had a couple drinks, and I struggled on Sunday. The, if I have drinks before the next day, it's, it makes the fast harder. So I definitely struggled a little bit with the hour time change and, and that. Oh, yeah. So. That's such mm-hmm. a struggle. But yeah, I had a seven-hour window on, on the 31st, and then the next day, it ended up being probably an hour and a half, two hours. So it just it's okay for it to vary, for it to be different from day to day. I think being too rigid is actually a problem for some of us. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I started at first very like, okay, I had, it says 20 hours. I need to go 20 hours. And then, you know, now I don't worry too much about that. I'm consistently between 20 and 22 hours just because that seems to be what feels good for me. So that's just when I feel like I'm ready to open my window. But I don't think too much about, oh, I have to open it exactly at 3.30 or exactly 5.30. It doesn't, you know, it just depends. So do you use an app? I do have an app, you know, just to kind of keep track of what I'm doing, but I don't, I'm not religious by it or anything like that. You just like to keep, yeah, know, I understand that. I yeah, like it I, for the data just to see how long I go. And I look at it more for windows because sometimes I need the honesty of, okay, all right, was my window a little bit longer than it should have been? You, you know, so. So do you track your window or your fast or both? Kind of both. I mean, because I have the zero, so you put, you know, stop fast. So it tells you how long you fasted, but it also tells you how long your window was. That's too, good. So. Yeah. I really, I really like that. You know, when I was doing it earlier, you know, when I was losing the weight, I mean, I'm still doing it, but when I was losing the weight and using using the app that my son made for me, actually, I'd already lost the weight. I was in the maintenance phase at that point, but I remember I only wanted to track my window. I was never tracking my fast. I, I just, I tracked my eating window. It was easier for me just to track my eating window. And um, some people prefer to track their fast. But once he he made the window app so you could go back and forth and toggle between the two, that was always interesting. Right. And I'm kind of, a, I, I like knowing how long the window is because I, I do think that's where I can get into trouble because, you know, I can fast for 20 hours, but then if I have a, a longer window, I mean, that doesn't help me the next day, you know, getting that. So, I mean, I, I, I do have to kind of watch my window, I think, more than the actual hours I'm fasting. And some people will ask, you know, what's more important, the fast or the eating window length? And I'm like, well, they're both important because <laughs> you can have, you know, a fast that's too short to really get into the fat burning state, but you can also have a window that's too long. So you could have a long fast and then a window that's too long or, you know, vice versa. So it really, it, it all just kind of evens out if you keep your eye on something. For me, it was keeping my eye on my eating window that made the difference. Because if, you know, if you, you know, doing the math, if you, your eating window averages, you know, you said yours averages two to four hours usually. If your eating window averages two to four hours, your fast averages, you know, <laughs> 20 to 20. It's just that's how it works out. Yeah. So. Some days I'm 20 hours, some days I'm 23, some days I'm, you know, 18. It just depends. Yeah. And I think that's the way to live it rather than trying to be too rigid being flexible with it. That's the part I enjoy is just being able to not, just to have that flexibility and decide what I'm going to do day to day. So what have been some of your best non-scale victories? I think for me, the best non-scale victories is a lot of the mental clarity. I've just felt, I've just felt better. You know, I, I think clearer. I want to move more. I love to go out walking where it used to be. I always said I like to walk, but then I never would do it. I, you know, I delay things. And I've always been a bit of a procrastinator and I find myself now doing more things, just trying to get stuff done around the house and just, you know, I just feel busier. Like my mind, I, I feel like I can do more things than I used to. That makes sense. I, I know exactly what you mean. Well, is there anything that you struggle with? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do think I still struggle sometimes with just the social aspect a little bit too of, you know, when, you know, if we, when people are eating lunch or dinner, like, okay, are we gonna, am I gonna have lunch because they're having lunch? Am I gonna have dinner? I, I do a lot of like, you know, mom's groups and things like that. They always have brunches and different things out. And I always feel a little weird, like not eating, but I mean, it's, it's not weird anymore, but it used to be not having the brunch and everything like that. And you yeah, know, with, I totally get yeah, that. And things aren't as social lately anyway, so it hasn't been That's as true. Ideal, but <laughs> at the time that was always hard, just, you know, going to things and feeling like I need to eat. You know, I come from a family of like, you get together and you eat, like that's what you do. So Right. And it is at first, especially, it's really weird to not be eating when everyone else is eating. It feels like awkward. You're like, well, is everyone staring at me and, and I'm not eating? And you get over that. Right. And then just getting over just the diet mentality. I still sometimes catch myself, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat this. And I have to realize, okay, well, if I want it, I can eat it. And, and then I notice too, if I shouldn't eat it too later, if I'm like, eh, maybe that wasn't the best choice. But I don't, I try not to feel the guilt about it anymore that I used to feel if I ate something bad. I used to eat something bad and felt like I had to go on a two week diet just to get rid of that one donut, you know, so I don't I don't feel that anymore. And instead, you can just have have the food, maybe the donut, and then maybe you don't feel great after you eat it. And then you just say, hmm, that reminds me of why I don't usually eat donuts. I don't feel great. You know, you enjoy it the minute you're eating it. But then after that, you're like, hmm, it wasn't worth it. And then you hopefully remember that I'm a slow learner. takes me a long time. You've heard me just talk about wine and alcohol and how I've struggled with realizing that I don't feel great after having it. It's taken me a long time. And the wine is still a struggle for me. I am, I am not good at having one glass. And I have noticed it, it, it does hit me more like if I have two or three, I don't, I, the fast is much harder the next day. I just don't feel as sharp. So I am noticing that it's a little sad, but I am. Not. I know. I'm right there. I'm right there. I'm going to the beach. I'm leaving tomorrow, but I'm going to be at the beach for a few days with some college friends. And it's going to be weird because these are my girls that ever since you were born and I, the year you were born was the year we all went to college. <laughs> But, you know, we've been friends for a long, long time. And so we've always had the drinking. So I'm going to go and I'm going to be the designated driver and I'm going to drive them around and they're going to be like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I'm like, nope, I just, this is how I feel great now. Yeah. And and I know, I mean, I make the decision now. I mean, if I want to have that other glass of wine, I mean, I can have it, but I have to to know the next day I'm not going to feel as good. And that's, that's a decision I have to make. Where it used to be, I would just do it and not even think about it, or I'd feel guilt about it. Now I'm like, well, this is the decision I have to make. I'm either going to enjoy this second glass of wine and not feel good tomorrow, or I'm just not going to have it. You know, yeah, so. and I'm I'm not going to ever say that I will never have another oh, of glass course. of wine. Yeah, yeah. So that it's just it's going to be more of a special occasion. Yeah, only. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and it you know that you have to make that decision. I. I, and I, I have noticed it more about myself. Like, oh, I know I can't just have that glass of wine. So, and you know, for me, it's wine, but for someone else, it might be, you know, cake or pie or ice cream, or it could be anything, or even, you know, meat. Maybe there's somebody who knows they feel better when they don't eat a lot of meat, but that doesn't mean they're never going to eat it again. So it's just for every person, we have to figure out, you know, what makes us feel great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. And it is, I mean, and I, 
I always thought too, like, oh, I can't have dessert. I cannot have dessert. I, I will gain so much weight if I have dessert. Now I realize it's actually not even the case. I can have a little dessert. It hasn't really affected my weight loss, but I was always just so afraid of sugar or anything like that. Now I've realized, you know what, I, if it's good quality dessert, I can have a little bit of that. That's, that's, that's fine. I'll still lose weight and have that, but there are certain things that I know I probably shouldn't have. Yep, yep. And for me, it's it's the you know, sugar and having less sugar. I want to have just enough to get the taste, but not have the restless legs. <laughs> and and you know, I've gotten better at that, at figuring out, you know, having a little bit of something and then I'll be okay and and knowing when to stop. So it's just it's really getting to know your body. And nothing is off limits, but just the motivation for me is I want to feel good. I don't just want to have it this thing that tastes delicious now, I want to feel good in two hours and three hours when I'm sleeping in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, I mean, how I feel has been, I mean, just, just knowing how much better I feel now doing this, I don't want to go back to how I felt before. Cause I didn't even realize I didn't feel good before. You just, you just didn't even realize that I wasn't feeling good. And I, you know, I could just see the cycle of just feeling the guilt about things I eat. And then, and I was also feeling, I was feeling the cycle of, I was just, I just kept gaining weight. Like I just kept gaining. And I, I knew, I remember telling my husband at one point, I feel like if I don't get a handle on this, I think I'm going to wake up and I am going to be, you know, a hundred pounds overweight. I just, I saw it coming. I knew it was, I knew it was around the corner. So I just, I knew I had to get that handle on it. And and I just feel good. So, and you know what's so wonderful? You've probably thought of this, but you are going to be modeling for your daughters that you can eat, you can enjoy food. You're not going to be modeling the diet mentality and the struggle and the beating up yourself all the time. And I shouldn't, and you shouldn't. And now we're all on this own diet, right. kids. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Exactly. And it isn't, you know, and my mom, she struggled and she's intermittent fasting now too. She, she I was, love that. Yeah. She was very excited. I was on the podcast. She thought I was like a celebrity now. Being a, <laughs> her and my aunt are both, are both doing it and uh, have been very successful. My dad started it as well. And for her, you know, it was a struggle for her and I saw the struggle and then you know, and I remember too, like we would do diets together. Like I would call her and say, I'm doing this new shake diet before I knew she was buying the shakes and all that. We do stuff together, but it wasn't healthy. And now I do feel like, you know, with my two girls, I'm just going to tell them, listen to their bodies and let them eat when they're hungry and, and hopefully never get that in their heads. And they're going to see me eating. They're going to see me eating and enjoying food because I want I them to I think that's enjoy so food. important. I really think it is. You know, I wonder how much of my diet mentality came from my mom watching her all those years, probably a lot of it, because I can remember, I've talked about this before, I was slim all the way through, you know, I was really slim in high school, and then hit puberty and, you know, had a little cellulite come on, but I still wasn't that worried about it. But I still had diet thoughts, because I saw my mom counting calories, I saw her doing different things. I'm like, oh, that's just what you do. Right. And it was actually really freeing. We went to um, South Carolina and um, visit my grandparents. And my grandmother has just rooms of cookbooks. She's kept cookbooks for years and she has so much. And we started going through her cookbooks and my grandmother told us we could take whatever cookbooks. So me and my mom, we were going through all the cookbooks and it was so freeing to basically put any cookbook that had, you know, slim, you know, skinny meals and all that stuff. Nope, we're not. We're not using that. Nope. Now, what part of South Carolina is your family from? Well, my grandparents live in Woodruff, South Carolina. It's not too far from Spartanburg. Okay. 
my family is South Carolina, all the generations back. That's yeah. why I like to ask. My mom is a Georgia girl. She's from Rome, Georgia. So. Okay, I know where that is. I lived over in that part of the state, um, south of there in Carrollton. See, whenever, when two Southerners get together, we always talk about where's your family from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, you know, bo- both my parents are, you know, born and raised in the South, but I mostly grew up in California. So I'm, and then now I'm back in the South. So I have this kind of weird uh, California girl now. But your roots South. are here. My roots are your... here. I'm familiar with it. So yeah, you got your deep roots. It was. But it was so freeing just those cookbooks, not taking any of the cookbooks that had anything that said, you know, light eating or skinny eating. Oh, I didn't want any of that. I've realized. <laughs> that I, I never want to have to make a substitution again. You know, I was experimenting with earlier this year after Melanie Avalon and I were talking about the, the book Mastering Diabetes and it, it had fasting in there and the authors recommended a certain fat percentage. And I realized, hmm, the fat percentage they recommend is also what my DNA analysis recommended that I eat. So I was like, I'm just going to try it. You know, I'm not trying to lose weight. I don't need to lose weight. I'm going to try to change my diet just to match what my DNA recommendations say. And I I started, you know, trying to eat lower fat foods and I bought like some low fat. So I'm like, no, gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just, you don't, you, I don't want to eat anything. I mean, I want real good food. I mean, that's, that's what it's, I'm supposed to have real, real good food. And that's, that's what I've loved so much is like, I am not afraid to buy the butter and the cream. And if it tastes delicious, I mean, that is what our, you know, our families ate beforehand. They weren't worried about, you know, counting calories and all that. That little experiment didn't last very long. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, well, first of all, I'm not going to make any substitutions. I've realized that it's got to be real. It's got to be delicious. And then I was like, I just hate this. And then my husband's like, what are we eating? Why are we eating it? I'm like, never mind. <laughs> Back to normal. <laughs> It's been so great to find that joy of cooking again, too, because I just I do. I I really love to cook. It's one of my favorite things to do. So just to be able to make what I want and experiment and try different things, that's been really fun. And to eat what sounds good. Yeah, what sounds good. Exactly. And my husband likes it, too. (laughs) That's good. I bet. And he does does kind of. Yeah, he does a 16 eight. You know, he's a little guy. So, uh, yes, he does uh, pretty much lunch and dinner. Yeah, that's that's what mine does. I heard him come in just a little while ago. He's probably wondering where I am. And I'm sure he knows where I am, but he likes for me to make him a little something for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so he's probably like, hmm, I don't know what he's in there eating, but he always comes home for lunch, has a little something, and then he doesn't eat between lunch and dinner. He's so funny about that. Once my window is open, I'm eating. You know, if I have, even if I open early, I, I'm more of a grazer throughout my window. I like to eat throughout the time, but not him. He's like, no, my window's closed. I'm like, well, you already ate lunch. Your window's not closed. He's like, nope, it's closed. Then he opens it again. I'm like, okay, that's not how it works, but whatever. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it took some convincing from my husband at first. He kind of just thought what I was doing was a little silly, but, you know, he started doing the research and, and you know, he just saw how good I was feeling and how much I enjoyed it. So he eventually started it. And I think he's starting to see the uh, the benefits of it as well. He's a research guy. So just the fact that he's seeing all the science behind it. And for him, it's about the health. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. My husband was never interested in anything I did diet wise all along. And then all of a sudden, when he realized the health benefits, he's like, oh, okay, I can do that too. And the health benefits are compelling. Is your husband in the science field? He's a software engineer. Um, so he he does something with numbers. I don't understand. 
<laughs> I get that. There's a lot of things people do that, I, that I'm just like, okay, I'm glad somebody does that. But <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, and I come, you know, when we moved out to Huntsville, we moved out here a year ago and, you know, I was actually, a, I taught drama. I was did like theater classes and, and things like that. So I've always been a lot more in the uh, artistic, you know, kind of, and he, he does numbers. <laughs> well, I love science yeah. and numbers, but you know, there's a lot of tediousness going <laughs> <laughs> and some of that, I wouldn't want to do it. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting, or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think the biggest thing I would would tell people is just to be patient. I am an instant gratification person. I know that. Like, I want to do something and I want to see it work. So, for, so this time, it took some time to realize it's not going to be that crash diet that all of a sudden you're going to lose that 20 pounds because what's going to happen? You're going to have 40 come right back. So it's taken patience. The scale's not moving, you know, quickly, but I've seen so many other benefits that I don't think even if I lost weight right now, I would want to stop. But I understand, you know, your first motivation is to see the weight loss, but it might not happen right away. Um, There's so many things that are happening. So I think that's the biggest thing is be patient and enjoy what you're doing. Don't overthink it. I see, you know, if you start overthinking what you're doing too much and becoming too regimented with what you're doing, it's going to be harder. So I think just try to find something that you can enjoy because this is a lifestyle. It's not, you know, it's not a diet. And it's hard. It's hard to think that way at first. It really is. It is true. Oh, it's true. I remember I made lists and charts and plans and this is what I'm going to do. And yeah, I was that overthinker. And, you know, we saw that over over the weekend with the time change. We saw people overthinking the time change. Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do with my hour? I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't do anything. Just open your window, eat your food, close your window. You'll be fine. And that's what it's about. I mean, you know, especially with all the all the crazy times we've been in the last, you know, six months, you know, it's it's so important to enjoy everything and to not because we've been so stressed. Let's enjoy your life and, you know, whatever that looks like to you. But I think that just being able to have the freedom to enjoy it and you're going to lose the weight. Your body's going to respond however it's going to respond. But I do think however it responds, it's going to be beneficial and you're going to notice. Absolutely. Well, Nikki, I really enjoyed talking to you today. And your kids are so quiet. Is someone watching them? Oh, I, them? Ha- I have the mother-in-law watching them. So I wondered. I figured. <laughs> Otherwise, this would never get never get done. No, no. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking right, to me today. Thank you so much. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I'm Shimon Yai 
And I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.